This is the Black Lesbian Fisherman. trying to find something me and Rebecca were trying to find something a name that was like kind of like a negative name like a negative of a positive name and um, we had the positive name and I think did you put it through uh, translators or something but you came up with something yeah because it was Spanish to start with wasn't it, it yeah, was a yeah. Spanish thing and it was to do with like uh, uh, the the fisherman, the Dorados, was it? Something um, like that? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. And, um, well, it matters if you want to tell Pescadores. Pes Pescadores. Pescadores. Yeah, Pescadores. And so we had this, this Spanish name that we thought was really funny. And when it was translated into English, it was even funnier. So we thought that Black Lesbian Fisherman was actually a really funny name. And then we found out that Stratis was actually a lesbian. So this was, this was... <laughs> To to not <laughs> to the non-Greek audience, that might sound very strange, but it just means he comes from Lesbos, in which is an island in Greece. So he's so thought. So, okay, if anybody's going to take us take us out for like transgender issues, then what we can do is say we actually have a lesbian here, and uh, and then that's where it came about. And I think everybody it was like the name that everybody was least bothered about. It was sort of like, oh yeah, that'll do. It was, that's what it came down to. But it was originally because it was funny. And uh, we uh, essentially, a lot of what we do in Black Lesbian Fishman is actually about humour. It it's like it appeals to our sense of humour. A lot of it appeals to our sense of humour. So although we're immensely and deadly serious experimental musicians, uh, we also quite like having a laugh. And when we get together, it's it's very it's good fun. It's good fun. Uh, we don't do a lot of playing. We do do a lot of laughing, and a fair bit of drinking as well. And that's uh, that's that's uh, and the people here, of course, yeah. So, me and Alan 
and I do a bit of guitar, synthesizers, stuff like that. Rebecca, a bit of synthesizers, flutes, um, and vocals. Occasionally I do vocals, but they're not very good. Nico Focas over here, he is doing modular synths and synths of other sorts. Uh, Stelios is the main flautist, I should say, I suppose. And Strategy. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say that, Celios. I thought that was the second, the second flutist. <laughs> no, did you not? Did you not get the memo? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're promoted behind You've been your promoted. back. Yeah. I am promoted. Okay, thank you. Again, you're promoted again <laughs> every time. It's like Stelios, can you do this, man? Yeah, you're promoted. I'm yeah. the head flutist now. <laughs> You're, you're like, the only one of us who knows what they're doing. Yeah, so. you're, the, you're the one in the number one chair. And Stratis <laughs> is, uh, also does synths on occasion, but he's also mainly the bass player. We, we do bits and bobs. We all do sort of bits and bobs, but that's those are our main main things. And Rebecca, I suppose, is... Well, I would say that we all probably use toys to the same, same amount. We all have little toy things that we use for either for sampling or actually to actually drive a song or something like that. So... Uh, as well as um, as well as the, the what you might call proper instruments, there's a lot of improper instrumentation going on, mostly from Focas, I have to say. But... It, you get that a lot, you know. You'll have even the, the the people, the experimenters that will make their own devices. You know, maybe they get into circuit bending or something like that. You know, or they'll take something and they'll even modify it. But uh, uh, so is everybody from the same place? No. 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 <laughs> How does that work? Um, well, Rebecca and I, well, Rebecca's from the Midwest as well, but uh, and I'm from England, but we live on an island off the coast of Greece, like most Greek islands are. And um, we're about two hours, two and a half hours from Athens. Uh, Nico lives in Athens, Stelios lives in Athens, and Stratis did live in Athens, and I believe is moving back to Athens. Or nearer, nearer, nearer to Athens. Nearer. nearer to Athens. So the project could be said to be Athens-based. It's it's pretty much Athens-based. Yeah, I mean we we play in other places, but mainly we play in Athens and around Athens and stuff, and we mainly rehearse in Athens. Yeah. And then uh, period on this is it? It's a current project. Is it new? I think we've been going for about. 10 years or something. It must 10 be. years. No, not 10 years. You don't think it's 10 years? Well, I haven't been here for 10 years. No, it years. can't be because we haven't been here for 10 years. So it must be <laughs> seven, seven, years. seven years. Seven years. Seven yeah. years, yes. Yeah, how, ma how many releases? We've done, we did uh, two full length albums and we've done a couple of other tracks for various compilations and things like that. Okay. So there's like three albums worth of material out there and there's actually a whole album's worth of material that's already recorded, plus there's loads of stuff. We actually pick, we have, have a lot of stuff to pick from because uh, the tracks have to be quite edited down um, mm. as well, uh, because yeah. we quite happily go on for hours. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, it's about, it's about seven years now. And everybody, the other thing is everybody else also has other projects that they're working on. So it's not like when we're not together, we're not doing stuff. We're all doing other stuff anyway. Uh, Stratis, uh, Stelios and Nico are, are um, all in the band. Um, Vault of Blossom Ropes. Stelios, I know you know, is also in Loop. 
which I, I won't, won't attempt to pronounce with the correct umlautization, but it should be le, I think. Le. Le. He says as he his moustache. He's, he's doing Le-er. it very fiendishly. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a solo project, Temple Music. Rebecca has a solo project, the Greyfield Recordings, and we have a bunch of other stuff that we also contribute to. Um, so those those are the main projects that we're all involved with. But, so we're we're pretty busy. Well, that that you know I hate to say it, but that really fits the 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 profile of the experimenters that I've I've come across so far. Not always, but. A lot of times they're in multiple projects and the last one guy I interviewed not that long ago from around here, Mark Schwartz, he's got several projects, some of which aren't really experimental, some of which definitely are. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, I thought this was a new project. I, I found the, meso- I was well, I think it was Stelios that, that sent it to me, the metaphysics of Natron. Mm. And I've been immersed in that and listen, uh, got lost in it uh, just before this interview. That's part of why I was a little disoriented trying to invite everybody because <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. Uh... She is burning for you Some dreadful incense Old goats, fat blood and fur. Blood of one untimely death of a dog. Woman's embryo. Underflow. That's what it's got. That's the, the newest one. Under Underflow. No, it wasn't Underflow. We did it uh, on a on. A... No, it wasn't. No, we did it with a, with a label in Belgium. It came out on cassette as well. With a label in Belgium, it came out uh, in England on Reverb Worship, and it came out. Somewhat, we did it as well, didn't we? Yeah. So it came out in three places. Came out in Greece as well. But wasn't that just the live thing? No, no, that was the the, the CD. Okay. So uh, what's this underflow? Anyway. Underflow's great. Underflow. Um... Maybe Nico should explain underflow. Yeah, actually, we'll let we should we'll let, let Nico, Nico talk. explain underflow. Uh, okay. Well, underflow is a uh, is a record song actually. And uh, it is considered to be one of the best record shops uh, globally. And uh, it has a live uh, venue inside. And uh, the guy who runs it, Vasilis, uh, he's, uh, he's a friend. And uh, 
is uh, very much into uh, inviting a lot of uh, experimental musicians uh, and uh, avant-garde uh, and you know uh, all the underground and uh, not so uh, famous uh, uh, musicians and uh, it's been our home for uh, for the last uh, four or five years and uh, he started uh, his own record label and uh, he said that uh, one of the things that he wanted to do was the black lesbian album uh, so we did it there Uh, yeah, he, as uh, Nico was saying, he does actually do, he gets people playing from all over the world there. And it's like, it's pretty amazing, actually. It's a really great venue in, right in the center of Athens. And uh, like Nico said, he had the, uh, he has like displays there. Um, well, I don't mean displays, what do I mean? Exhibitions, that's what I mean, yeah. Exhibitions. Also, it's a great place. I mean, if you ever come to Athens or anybody, I'm, we're just like pumping underflow at the moment because wow. it's, it is a great place. It genuinely is a great place to visit. It's really good. Uh, I'm following them on Bandcamp, so I have access to these other uh, releases that they that they're featuring on the Bandcamp. The uh, Depths Above, Adiag, Adiag, Adagios, uh, Warn, Warn. So you know, I mean, it's a great resource for uh, more interesting music. So, uh, unfortunately, all I've heard is the metaphysics. And sometimes what I want to do in the future, I'll just say right now, is come back and talk to people about a specific release. Well, we'll send you a link, which just come back to me. It's called uh, Ectopic Apiary is the first one. So we'll send you a link to that.
would be considered experimental. Stratis. Stratis. We elect Stratis to answer this question. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that uh, it depends on the mood. I mean, everything that comes out, it comes out. Uh, 
just uh, while playing. It's more like uh, uh, it's more like a, a collective, not exactly impro imp improvisation. I would say that uh, there is no backing plan. At least this is what I feel about uh, the music. It's uh, nothing prepared. It's just uh, it comes out uh, uh, with no uh, plan. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that Stratis has really nailed that. The experimental nature of what we do is really that is that we're experimenting ourselves with bouncing off each other. It's like it's something that works really well in an environment and then you, you do get rubbish when you have to pick pick the good stuff and get rid of the, the dross but uh, in general it's like okay this what we're thinking is this will work live you know we'll be able to do this live and and also quite honestly it's like we're all musicians we're all experienced musicians and i mean even if we weren't we all work well together so when we get together and we start doing music we don't have any pretensions we just like, it's spontaneous, something like that. Yeah, we, like, uh, we like playing together, and someone will take the lead. No, no one person takes the lead necessarily, and we we just like something, or we kind of you know we'll we'll modulate something into something else, or we'll stick with something, some sort of theme that we're liking at the time, and we go with that, and that becomes a song. It, it grows. It's like we let the songs be what they they want to become without any sort of one person being like, this is my song and this is what I'm doing. I mean, sometimes one of us will have an idea, but we all lend something to it and it becomes something really strange or it becomes something that we all kind of like or we all kind of laugh at and that's, that, that's how it works. So basically improv, uh, uh, composing on the fly. It's always evolving uh, around uh, at least uh, that's what I think about it. It's uh, they have some, uh, some, you know, tracks, some songs that there are, there are always evolving. Uh, when played live, so that is uh, an experimental uh, approach to music. To have, you know, to don't set up any specific uh, format or um, or structure, and uh, always, whenever you play live always evolve this kind of uh, songs and music to different uh, procedures, to different uh, approaches. So that that is the experimental side of this project that I like uh, a lot.
the word experimental has been used to describe all of these things. And so to me, even though sometimes it's just genre bending, experimental can sometimes feel like a genre itself. And, and so oftentimes is the same thing as improvisation to some experimenters. And so that's definitely a solid and, and common approach in, in doing this. It will be the improv, but that is not always what people use. So you've got people who maybe use improv in their uh, technique to come up with a composition, which they then make abstractions of with written music and then people repeat that. You know, like like Eno talked about that, you know, and and uh, so, but I find it fascinating how all of these things and approaches are valid and somehow, and in different varied ways, they always work together with everybody's project to more or less one way or the other, depending on what they're into. So for you guys, uh, improv is a very much a part of what you're doing. I mean, and you, you choose from that for your pieces and as concrete then recordings, you know, or do you ever go back and make an abstraction? Well, both really, I think. Both? Yeah, I think, I think both of it is like, uh, we'll all sort of like have various bits that we have ideas about, but no real idea what we're gonna, where, where it would go, you know? So uh, like Nico has a lot of stuff that he will send or will play to us. And we're like, okay, yeah, this is good. We like this. And Nico will like, well, yeah, then it goes like this. And we're like, well, no, it shouldn't really do that. It should do this. And then it's, so it becomes less abstract. I mean, it's like, it's when it's like, uh, I mean, it's the interesting thing I think is the bouncing of ideas backwards and forwards you know you have we have a conversation about yeah. about the music and like a, a general idea but we don't we don't hammer it down to an exact idea most of the time and in fact like when we 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 will practice we actually practice for live sets and um we know what a song will sound like generally <coughs> but we don't make it so it's that it, it it has to be exactly the same each time. Yeah, we, we're I mean, not exacting about anything. It's not fun that way. We had you know? uh, the last time yeah, we that played. That would be boring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be boring. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and the last yeah. time we played, uh, we, we had this kind of surf instrumental, which initially we kind of thought, nah, not really, you know? But uh, we. Uh, it worked out really well. It came out really well. And then we thought we'd, we'd have to do it live because it was actually like radio friendly, which sounds weird to say, but it's true. And so we got a drummer and he's not here tonight, but uh, he's like also a hand drum. He plays like um, dumbbells. Jembe. Jembe and, and yeah. dumbbells and things was like that, that. Was that third rubric? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that originally was like about 15, 15 minutes of noise. Uh, which I thought was great. I thought it sounded fantastic. And uh, then uh, I could, we put this like surf riff at the end of it, kind of as a joke, really. And then Nico was like, "And it was, we, 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 you really need to lose that that 15 minutes." Of I think <laughs> both of us said that. Both of us said that. You really need to lose lose all that nonsense at the beginning. And then it could be a hit. And I was like, "Ah, oh, but you know, it's like that's the best bit." And. Uh, <laughs> And it went down and down and down. And then, of course, because it was a final release as well, it had to be even shorter. So I think it ended up being two minutes. Uh, the intro was was originally the song. Yeah. That, the intro was the song originally, <laughs> completely. And so that droney thing was, was, it, was it. 
And then uh, after that, it then turned into this kind of weird surf instrument. And then we got a drummer in just to play the weird surf instrumental. And he also played hand drums, so we could then reimagine other songs with hand drums, uh, which uh, actually worked really oddly and really nicely. I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, and it was instrumental at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And then we said, okay. Yeah. That's the thing it made me think of is that uh, when, when I talk about abstract and concrete, I'm using those terms in, in a general version of what you have with uh, music concrete and music abstract. The idea that when you write it down, it could be repeated by someone else. And then the other is typified by a recording, you know, like this tape of this one performance. And then we take that tape and we're going to do something to that. And so you come up with these things that you could never and would never try to ever repeat live, 
you know, if you did, it would be a whole nother piece, you know, uh, uh, but, but some things you find you can try to do that and you might attempt to do it. And that's the experiment. How close could we come? Uh, but it, these are all the things that make it interesting, right? But this is what you do. You it doesn't have to be written on the staff to be abstract, but if you some, however, you're able to do that. And then when you choose not to even attempt to do that, because it's like, how would we ever repeat that? You know, we had no idea how we did it in the first place. I think uh, <laughs> so, it's you know, And then also not all, always like white knuckling it, you know, where it's exact, like you were saying, but within parameters, you limit the parameters to a certain extent that you're comfortable with and say, that's how it should go. It should fit in here, you know, and instead of just being just whatever, you start like putting some kind of limitations on it, you know, and that's the stuff of the whole thing, isn't it? Because if you didn't have either one of those, you have nothing. Also, if you look at sort of rather than saying you like you saying you know write the dot stone on the staff, but but also you can use like graphic score type things like you know writing people like that. And um, we wouldn't do something like that. We do do something like that. It's kind of how we do it because we say when? it's like we're in. We don't actually do it. We don't write it down. You do it in your head though, kind of. Yeah. Right? And I'm saying it's something. It's something I've I've done in previous work anyway with kids. So it's like something I'm familiar with, and I think it's a good way of approaching it. And I think, honestly, everybody does approach things that way because you have an idea of what it is you're doing within, as you say, parameters. You know, and it's like so that bit can last for five minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes if it's me and Nico finishing a song, or half an hour if it's me and Nico finishing a song and wanting to get the last word in. You know? uh -huh. And uh, or <laughs> if Rebecca decides she's going to want to just pull the plug on us, it can be a lot shorter. <laughs> well like like with jazz you have this head or a theme and then you have a solo section where anything goes and then you come back to the head and the familiar and you've made it familiar by having done it and then you repeated it and then it becomes it gives people this sense of sadness and that's just as as Stelio said when we had the interview some of this is just the stuff of music it's just how music is done you know mm -hmm. you have to have that element of life to it that that random chance captured somehow otherwise but but you don't really have to do anything though that's the whole thing it's like so you might have some people that are just utter chaos all the time that could never be repeated and their show would just be this is going to be unique we don't know what's going to happen and that's all they do or you know you have people that, that maybe they want their whole thing is to get in there and see what they how they could tinker with it you know yeah, I, yeah. I mean i think different but, levels but you know it's like uh, it's uh, it's great. I think it's great fun to do Im totally improvised things for the people who are doing it. It's not necessarily so nice for the audience. So oh, yeah. um, <laughs> that's the key thing, right? You're going into a trance, and they're just watching you. Well, he's just he's in a yeah. trance. I mean, we we did do nice a show. For him. Yeah. We did a show with uh, and Stratis couldn't make it, and our dear friend George Verutas, who's uh, also you check his stuff out on. I think you mentioned Liminal Vanguard is on. Um, uh, underflow as well it's great but he played bass for us and we did this did a song which is on the first album which Rebecca now refuses to play ever again because we couldn't catch George's eye to finish the song which meant that I ended up that wasn't playing... why <laughs> <laughs> no but it carried on we played yeah. this like this like moderately shrieking ghastly guitar solo for hours <laughs> we just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't manage to stop the song at all 
Um, and and that was, but it, you know, like um, I think if Stratis had been there instead, I, I don't think it would have gone on that long. So. Yeah, because he would have known better. No, during practice so. it went on forever too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that was fun. Well, I think I think the idea, I think the idea is that we keep a few parts in our minds. Maybe we we uh, we keep it as themes, but everything else is connected uh, by improvising. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that's what grounds you then in a, in a sort of an experimental area because you're allowing that more than say others might. <coughs> you're really inviting that in and letting it have a permanent place at the table, whereas other people might say, "Oh, it's got to be just like this every single time." No, See? for us, the song is becoming. It's always becoming. It's always. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be something. It's going to be good one day. <laughs> for us, it's like the song is always going to be something living. You know, when we when we do it, at least for me, and I think for for all of us, it's not just an absent-mindedness that comes sometimes of like, oh, what did I do the last time? But we have a general idea of like how this song is, and we have a feeling of the song. But then we take that and we we transport it to different places of like when we're playing live in different places the song becomes something else or how we're feeling or we we it evolves or changes along with us um a lot of times it, it some in different places songs that we've done have been different songs where we were even though they were similar and you could recognize the song as it was it became something else depending on where we were playing it, when we were recording it, even though the song was in general recognizable, it became something else because it was living. And that's, I don't know, to me that's important. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of experimentation, a lot of experimentation goes uh, with the titles of the songs. Uh, I think that uh, is the result of uh, mistranslated words from English to Greek uh, and vice versa, you know, and uh, because Alan and Rebecca don't speak uh, Greek that, that well, and we don't speak English that well. So we start uh, with a title that is uh, uh, often intentionally uh, <laughs> blurred. And, uh, Miscommunicated to the others, and uh, so it, you know. And finally, Rebecca has the final uh, <laughs> uh, seal, <laughs> seals the final title. <laughs> well, uh, so then, how about the third question? When did you first begin? Uh, no, no. When did you first become? Oh, it was the second question. I'm sorry. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on the first question, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh, so maybe this will be a two-parter, I don't know. Uh, but when did you first become yourselves aware of experimental sound and music? Long before, long, long, long before what uh, was our project. 30, 30 years ago. Many, many years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. I mean, I, I started off with the idea of doing experimentation, so yeah. it was always an experiment. So. I worked with experimental bands At least all, 30 years ago. I think all of us have probably, we're all, all probably dabblers and experimenters and alchemists in our own 
way from from the beginning. We wouldn't be together if, if we weren't. Well, I mean, uh, as far as uh, when you were children, first music you listened to, when you finally said to yourself, this is experimental music, as opposed to anything else, as uh, other kinds of music. You know, because when you're, when you're a small child, you're not making those choices and you're hearing what the world's playing for you. And a lot of people find that they have to discover uh, experimental music themselves. Like it's not, it's not handed to you by society. But you know, I, I could beleaguer this point all day because I just love this stuff. But do, so, do you know? Um, do you know Torturing Nurse? I think I have heard of that. I mean, Torturing Nurse is great, but it is. I mean, you could say on one level that project that, it, that it's all exactly the same um, because it's just uh, Zhang Zhao is just like screaming or shouting with feedback or not with feedback or whatever, and it's all about right. actions, you know, whatever. And uh, but the thing is, is that. Uh, the person who needs to be satisfied with whether the experiment is 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 uh, successful or not is the person doing it. I mean, I, I think you know it's nice that people like what you do, but them. and uh, so it's like uh, you don't do stuff for other people; you do stuff for yourself. And the stuff which is good um, is is done because it's an expression of what you're all about. You know, it's like the, the closer you can get to something really pretentious i suppose like the, your soul or something the closer you can get to that the more you are going to be able to do something which is a successful a successful experiment well and i also think if you're not offending anyone you're not really accomplishing anything <laughs> okay <laughs> well then you know uh i guess uh and asking the second question, when you first became aware, I sort of thought of it as a, a continuum uh, 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 linear, linear from when, when I mean, you're born and you're a small child and you start, you know, using your ears to when mm -hmm. you turn on the radio or something and you start finding out what's going on around you and then you internalize that and then start making your own decisions. At some point, usually people find that they've been uh, inoculated with uh, commercial music first or even church music, maybe first. Uh, and then they later find what they like. And uh, uh, some people never like experimental music or they would never consider what they were doing to have any experimental aspects, like I say. But other people, they find this underground stuff. And usually underground is synonymous with experimental, right? So they say well all right one guy said the band yes was one of the things that broke him out of this thinking that he was in prior to that as a, as a, as a young person another person said you know brian eno uh for me the first record i bought where i was conscious that this is experimental was uh, no pussy footing by robert fripp and brian eno you know and then recently what was it uh oh, and I, I hate that i've forgotten her name already the woman that, uh, oh man, I, sh I shouldn't have even brought it up because I can't think of her. They always talk about Brian Eno inventing ambient instead of this woman who actually did. Um, Didier Derbyshire? Who? Didier I don't know. I might not, maybe somebody else invented it too. 
<laughs> you know? So anyway, uh, that's why that, that question is really trying to focus on uh, what was the first thing that influenced you, you know, when you were younger that got you thinking of it as something experimental or or even alternative, maybe. I mean, I can say, I was going to say was, I'm sure everybody can pick the moment when they thought, hey, this is pretty cool. I like this. And they can say what yeah. that is. And I know that for a fact, because I've talked to Stratice about it. And I've talked to everybody about it, about things that are like, holy, f you hear this thing, you know, and it doesn't mean you want to do that thing. I mean, it's like we're talking, Stratice and I were talking about the gun club once. And uh, it's like, it's like gun club was well, one of the things that Stratice was like, wow, this is fantastic. And I think the gun club are fantastic, totally fantastic. But I wouldn't say for me that was the moment. But I mean, the gun club were experimental. You know, they, they were an experimental band. There's no two ways about it. Stratice, what do you think? Yes, uh, this is this is one approach. I mean, uh, okay, I'm I, I was really obsessed uh, as a teenager with a gang club, and, and uh, we we uh, we found uh, with Alan that we have a mutual admiration about the band, and uh, as Alan says, uh, yes, we may say that uh, these guys were experimental somehow. In, in their own way. I mean, they changed this uh, punk and uh, blues into something else. Uh, okay, they have uh, more structured songs. Now for, for me, that, that, uh, the, there are two things that I found out uh, that they were quite experimental uh, when I first uh, heard about that. It was... Uh, uh, one, it was from uh, the Velvet Underground and uh, the White Light, White Heat album, and the other one was uh, John Coltrane playing uh, Love Supreme, something like that. Uh, these two were, uh, I mean, uh, quite... Uh, uh, I said, well, this is something uh, else that I have never heard before. Okay, for me, uh, I think that uh, because I grew as a kid uh, with uh, uh, progressive music, uh, you know, Genesis and uh, Yes and King Crimson and Van der Graaf, uh, uh, all that, uh, all that stuff. Uh, actually, the milestone was uh, when, as a teenager, uh, a friend brought me from the UK. Uh, Japan's uh, The Tin Drum album, uh, which, uh, you know, it was, uh, this thing blew me away. Uh, so after that, you know, I, I mean, I knew David Bowie and Brian Eno and uh, uh, all this stuff. Uh, so eventually uh, I went to Jon Hassel. And that was the moment that, uh, you know, the universe just uh, expanded uh, sonically uh, to all other directions, you know. And I think Jan Hassel's music was the, uh, the thing that uh, uh, led my mind uh, 
try <clears throat> different approaches and uh, opened up my ears, you know, to a whole new world of music. After that, you know, a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of uh, bands came, uh, you know, uh, naturally. And uh, of course, uh, you know, when we say experimental music, uh, usually uh, we mean uh, the uh, the music that was after John Cage and uh, the rest, uh, you know. Uh, the uh, after the avant-garde uh, movement you know and, but uh, i think that uh, i discovered that uh, later going backwards from Jon hassel uh, towards the 50s you know and uh, so that's my uh, i think this is uh, my story okay Elaine Radin, if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Yeah, she came up here. See, I, see, it's awkward, but I had to stop you because that's exactly what I'm looking for. Stuff like that I haven't ever heard of, you know? It's like, oh, really? got the John Cage, got the Brian Eno and all that. And also, conversely, the person I was talking about before was Wendy Carlos. Wendy Carlos oh, yeah. did the Clockwork Orange soundtrack for, for Kubrick. And she, she often gets uh, uh, eclipsed by Brian Eno's, uh, you know, uh, impact. And, and I know myself growing up that Brian Eno loomed large in all of this for me because that was when I started going to the record store for a completely different reason than I was before, you know. Like it wasn't just to dance anymore, you know. But uh, so, uh, and, and I only recently ever even heard of Wendy Carlos. So I've been, uh, and I love that soundtrack and just never really realized who did it or anything like that. Like, I don't actually own the soundtrack. I'm, I'm, I, I admit to, to Clockwork Orange. But, but so Elaine Radig, so I'm going to write that down as another, uh, in, another uh, project to look into. There was a, a guy. Uh, yeah, she, was, she was before Wendy Carlos, actually. Mm -hmm. You're right, right. Now, I like, especially like the ones, the experimenters that go back as far as you can find them, you know, like Terraman, you know, you know, and then uh, uh, Mita, Tamita, I think was an experimenter, uh, but that doesn't go back real far. And then, of course, you got all your jazz guys, because the whole idea of what we're talking about with impro improvisation is a very, very much a part of what jazz is. And it's, it's taking, like uh, Coltrane, you know, taking that um, uh, from, uh, why can't, Julie Andrews, you know, stuff I'm partial to, you know, changing it all around this, like, very white knuckle piece, you know, and just, like, flipping it backwards, you know. And so, so but you get that. That's also something Brian Eno talked about was the, the shock of the perfect copy. But you also get that idea of um, if you take something that someone's familiar with, and you really want to throw them, then you take the familiar and make it unfamiliar somehow. And then you've then you've really done it. Then you've really and, and you've also drawn them in a little bit too. Like you say, if it's just this harsh noise all the time, it will get to the point where it will, you know, all just sound the same, you know, and no longer take you on a journey, but rather just be assaulting all the time, you know. 
and then maybe that gets boring after a while. Maybe some people want to do something different. Maybe music is the only place you can really do that. It's when you take those sounds and you marshal them through these techniques and you get something that you would call music out of that. But other people, I've heard, had them say that music is purely subjective. If you like it, it's music. The, the, the birds outside is music. You know, traffic is music. And, you know, so it's all, then we have the thing we have to define our terms, right? And then have to agree on those definitions. So, you know, but the whole point of all of this is maybe, you know, coming up with various definitions and then utilizing them as you will. Yes, awesome. And then, so did anyone else have any other influences they wanted to get down or? I think uh, we we talked about it uh, in the other interview, but yeah, for me also progressive rock was uh, first encounter uh, with uh, a different uh, thinking, uh, experimental thinking, and uh, some uh, classical um, musicians from twentieth uh, century. Oh yeah, that was my main uh, influences, or my main, you know, um, things to listen uh, differently. Yeah, a lot of people mention progressive rock. It comes up a lot, in fact. Well, and you know, they had a lot of opportunity to uh, improvise. And, and when you know a blues scale or whatever, you can really mess around with it. And there's a lot of improvisation that just takes place within just a few notes. <laughs> you know, I often talk about with tone, I like to, I'm really a tone freak. I'm always changing my tone. You could just, that's just one note. That's just the quality of one single note. And, and that's all you're dealing with. You know, it doesn't even matter what you play. You're trying to get that voice just like you want it. And then somebody else can, you know, write something for you to play you know so that's just it's the the, the art of one note for that goes on forever it goes on forever <clears throat> but anyway it keeps changing its voice like the note doesn't change it's the same note but the voice keeps changing you know yeah and the way you you perceive it the way you, right. yeah. you listen to it changes also right and you might like, even do something like, like Terry Riley's you know like Terry Riley's in C yeah, or a rainbow in curved air, or anything like that. Yeah, or La Maximeromata, which uh, has uh, influenced Alan and Rebecca. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, how how many of these should I be writing down? Um, keep, keep writing could you, down. Could you could you send well, me a list of some of those that you just mentioned? Because. You know, I don't yeah. really know what I don't know what you're talking about, and I would really like to know. Okay, Terry Wright is a minimalist, uh, like uh, the one, uh, like Lamont Young, going back to John Cage, etc., etc. This is the all this scene, and of course, Krautrock and Khan and Holder Chukai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Krautrock for me too. Oh yeah, Krautrock. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. I I don't mean this in a, in a negative way at all, but. Some of this is that I don't understand what it is you're saying. Like I just caught Kraut Rock. I just caught that. <laughs> so I know I know what that is. <laughs> so some of it is that I know what you're talking about, but I just don't understand what you're saying. You know, like I'm not catching. So, 
Because so I usually agree. That's okay. That's fine. This is going to happen. And in fact, uh, more than I expected, I talked to people internationally about this because it's a it's a worldwide phenomenon. You know, it doesn't just it especially takes place in other countries besides mine. You know, and so that's I find myself in this predicament a lot. And I'm I'm an idiot. I only know how to speak one language. <laughs> so. And, and I, I feel like I don't have an accent, you know, <laughs> everybody feels that way, probably, you know, so but but anyway, I want to understand. So that's and, and that, that's important to me, because that's part of why I went on this odyssey was to not only learn it myself, but then share it with the listeners and allow them to be able to go back and uh, and, and I think it's it. uh, also it's like kraut rock makes it sound more rocky than, than it should be. It's like cosmic. I know. Cosmisha rather than rather than Krautrock, the sort of Cosmisha stuff. So like stuff like Faust and things like that, which are not necessarily rocky in places and things. Right. It's a misnomer, isn't it? I mean, Krautrock is not really Krautrock, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible selling thing, you know, because if you're in Germany, you don't really go under the name of Krautrock. You know? so right. Like, and uh, People so always laugh when I say it and they don't know what I'm talking about. They think I mean something literal, you know. Yeah, and uh, you are you know, like those like, German rock bands then, <laughs> like Celtic Frost? Oh yeah, <laughs> they're not German. They're not German. But... <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I was going to say as well. It's like uh, because um, uh, the the first thing that I can because like all the other guys as well. It's like I grew up with Yes and ELP and Genesis and all this kind of stuff. King Crimson, Gentle Giant. Uh, Rebecca didn't know. And uh, but they're like the first thing that I could genuinely I can remember the first time I heard Nurse with Wound extremely well, and um, you know and then and I knew Steve anyway, and uh, so it was like something that was like fantastic, because Steve was Steve Steve Stapleton from Nurse with Wound is a complete genius, and the way that he orders sound and I've been fortunate enough to work with him to do that, is something that really made me think. Well, you know, there's there's other ways of doing things that I hadn't considered, and uh, th those those things like manipulations of things, like you're saying about one sound repeated, but you change the tonality of, of the whole thing. That's like a very kind of nurse with wound thing, which is a very cosmish thing, and it all comes back to that kind of that same kind of thing. So, and the the people certainly who were playing. Uh, the um, the cosmischer stuff they could certainly play, but whether they actually wanted to play in the I mean you know it's like, uh, like as Nico was saying Holgatsuke studied with um, uh, who did he study with Nico I've forgotten now. No wait that, that's that's a guy in Cannes right? Yeah. And he's okay studied, okay. Ah uh, damn who did he study with? That Krautrock, yeah. right? Yeah, so he studied with Stockhausen. And uh, so it's like you, you have this whole thing of, uh, of people who were... And uh, um, Stratis mentioned uh, Lamont Young and people like that. People who, who were very interested in what sound does. You know, how the manipulation of sound affects the person hearing it uh, to a greater extent than melody to the greater extent than rhythm and although rhythm was part of it as well 
but it was to do with the yeah, manipulation. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of those people are just, you're just talking about people who are like classically trained and bored with like the classically trained sound, which can only go one way because it has very set rules. And yeah. so really they're just wankers because they're, they're just like, oh, I'm going to do a, a sound that isn't how I was trained I'm going to, to do, do the new sound. Yeah, I'm going to do the new sound. I'm going to go out <laughs> in the desert and find the new sound. Yeah, and in it's my just... head. Well, that's <laughs> funny because fun. then you got your... Go ahead. Just playing music, just playing music how it is. Music, you can't write rules to music. Quite honestly, you're an asshole if you try because you can say, oh, well, music is supposed to sound like this, but what it's supposed to sound like for your generation, for your culture or whatever, is completely different somewhere else. That's not how music is supposed to sound. Music is supposed to sound how you want it to sound. There are actually no rules other than ones that people think they've applied to it. But, you know, I mean, quite honestly, this whole idea of like experimental or not experimental, why do we need to be asking that anymore? Well, I was more uh, asking about it itself rather than why it has to be that way. I mean, that's a really good question, isn't it? Uh, I'd, I'd say because capitalism, probably, or because of like the just like you you have these things they're um, binaries, but they're really dualities. Because some people think of there's a difference between a dichotomy, two things that are separate or cut apart, and then something that's one thing that appears to be two, like a spectrum. And so you have diff two different poles, and there it's and the, the difference between theory and practice, or abstract and concrete. And you know nothing's going to make those things go away. That's just that's just the nature of how we exist. Unless you could sit there and say we don't exist, and you might you might be able to make an argument for that. But you're existing just asking the question. So at some point, I always say one wants to use the words rather than be used by the words. Hmm. We're in charge, not the words. And so once you get confused by the words you're using then the words have won and they're no longer being used by the person speaking them but they're using the person because the person's not making any sense anymore and then in communication there's another diametric between the sender and the receiver who's wrong if the communication doesn't work is it the sender's fault or is it the receiver's fault i mean if the receiver was faulty the the proper message would still not get through you know, but if the message was wrong to begin with and wasn't made so that the receiver could hear it, then maybe it was the sender's fault. But then maybe there's no one's at fault, but then the message either gets through or it doesn't. So you can't get away from these things. It'll chase you down, you know. And so what we do is we turn around, I guess, and we try to make art out of it, you know. <laughs> and in this case, we're talking about audio mainly we've limited this and what you're doing mostly to like you have an album cover but it's mostly audio i mean it's not performance art it's not theater uh it's it's music and that's the word we use for audio so we have this problem with sound art is it sound art is it sound is it music and this 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 comes into this question um i was going to say with the influence the next thing was going to be when did you start doing it 
after you were influenced or before. And some people have no influences. That's that. If you have no influences, you just listened to commercial music and you rejected it and you did something different and you didn't have any influences. Maybe that that's that that happens sometimes. It's rare. Usually we all have influences and we say, wow, and we try to start doing it ourselves. Some people listen to it and they never try to do it, you know, but we've all moved into where we started producing something based on what we were influenced by. So that would be the thing. My next question was, when did we all start experimenting? But it always comes, it always comes up. What is the difference here? What are we talking about? Noise? Are we talking about music? Are we talking about sound? And, and so I used to talk about them as opposing each other, but really it's a relationship, you know, and they're terms for these phenomenon that we, that we observe, you know, with our ears. And, and uh, there, there's a relationship between sound and music. And like I say, I maintain that you can have music, you can have sound without music, but you can't have music without sound. And that, that's saying that music has something to do with the repetition with the repeatability of, of the of the piece, you know, if it's written. I mean, it can be written very experimentally, but if you write it down and abstract it, someone then could repeat it exactly like that, an experimental piece. And it, like PDQ Bach, you know, it might call for a, a particularly weird instrumentation. Like you might want to, you might say right there in the music, you're supposed to remove your mouthpiece and just buzz through your mouthpiece with no instrument. <laughs> And then go back, you know, on the next measure, and then. But but if it's repeated, then I've got other people that they say, well, why? All right, your question is why would we do this? It's because people don't agree, and if they did all agree, that would be really boring, you know. Then we'd just be playing the one note, and it wouldn't change its tonality. And in fact, that's really weird because that's what they say happens in heaven when everyone's singing in the heavenly choir. There is no differentiation of anything. And, and so to us being alive right now on earth, that would be very boring, you know? Uh, the reason why is because without that, there's nothing. There's no understanding of anything around us or awareness. In fact, as soon as you become aware of something, you're sort of putting it into a framework. You really can't, can't uh, perceive it, perception is a kind of order that you're imposing. But I guess what you don't want is you don't want that to be uh, narrow. You know, you want to be open to what you're perceiving. So which, whose fault is it? Your, your fault for faulty perception or the world around you for giving you crappy stuff to perceive, you know? I mean, it's like, it's a never ending question. And uh, most people never even try to answer it. So I guess, I guess the productions we make, those are our answers, you know? Those are our answers to these questions. So you might as well say, why even make music or sounds? Why not just, you know, write words and be happy with that, you know? Because we, we want to make noise. We want to make a joyful noise. Uh, we want to make reverberations, you know? And so I know what you mean, because a lot of times people, they say, I don't like repetition or I don't like techno because it's repetitious. But if there was no repetition, there would be no music. Rhythm. Rhythm is repetition. All right, this is deep, deep, isn't it? That's a really good question. You challenged me. That was a challenge. Okay. Okay, I, I will challenge you. I will challenge you. It's a good question, you know. 
I think uh, as we talked uh, in the beginning, uh, it is like uh, taking one theme and uh, all around or all, all the connections are uh, improvised. As you, you, you told us before regarding the, let's say the Julie Andrews melody, like uh, uh, my favorite things. If, if you take the, the first uh, performance of the song by Coltrane and uh, uh, then find all the other uh, covers he did until uh, let's say the Japan concert, you'll see that uh, the song uh, at the end, uh, the theme at the end does not appear at all. It's maybe on, only played uh, barely. So uh, th this is this is what we do, I, I suppose. Or this is what are we trying to do? I challenge you to, to check all the the covers uh, Coltrane did, and you'll find out. What's going on? I mean, right. we take. But, but you know what piece he's playing when you hear it. No, maybe at the, at his last concert you cannot uh, really find out what's going on. It's only in the title. Maybe, maybe he didn't know. Eh? Maybe he didn't know that as well. You know? Yes, maybe he forgot it also. But for me, for me, it's uh, it's only sound uh, uh, and sound. Uh, concludes everything from tonality changes to uh, noise or uh, micrograins uh, to uh, very lengthy parts of uh, waveforms. And actually, I think the, the main question here is not uh, a division between sound and music, but uh, the main question is, um, is going back to the to the root of why I'm doing this, and uh, if you do if you do music, let's say let's call it that. If you do sound, uh, then it's um, if if your your approach is uh, like a painter, you know that is uh, putting colors on the canvas, uh, trying to capture the atmosphere that he has in his mind uh, this is I think this is what we do uh, as black lesbian fishermen you know we try to capture an atmosphere and that atmosphere usually comes from uh, uh, without even talking about it but usually comes from uh, our uh, our point of view uh, in uh, a specific uh, time, our, uh, our aesthetics. You've just heard part one of our interview with black lesbian fishermen from Athens, Greece. Watch for part two in our next episode of Esotericus Special Edition. <laughs>